0: What's up, y'all? I'm Cordell. Welcome to the Upward Acts podcast, where we give you tools, insights, and techniques to help you deliberately enter an upward spiral of well-being. This is part two of a conversation where we really explore the depths of positive development. So let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. So, earlier I was talking about of these stages are right or wrong, and that kind of gets to a question of morality, which in fact is a line of development. You can actually develop through different stages of morality, and it's one of my favorite developmental lines, so I'll probably end up doing a whole video on moral development at some point and just moral psychology in general. But moral development is no different in the sense that it has a few particular stages, that you can move through. And I want to explain a few of these stages to you. Um, again, to see where you're at, understand where you could go, right? Your potential trajectories. And then also to just better understand the people around you. It really help you grasp like why people are thinking about things in a certain way and why they're acting in a certain way. Um, so this is a stage of a stage model of moral development that goes from pre-conventional to conventional to post-conventional. Right, so everyone begins in pre-conventional stage of moral development, which is just when you don't know any of the conventions yet, like you don't know any rules, right? So again, think about babies and toddlers. They kind of act out of their own accord, right? They don't really figure out what the rules are first. If a two-year-old sees a toy and they want that toy, they're just going to go and get that toy, right? That's where like most of these conflicts come from. It's like little kids just not understanding social rules and conventions and things like that right and it's not because they know them and they're disregarding them they're just at a stage of morality in which things that are right or wrong based on like what they want to do right? And you might be noticing a parallel with the previous stage model that we talked about, right? very egocentric, pre-conventional thinking is. And that kind of stays out through infant and toddlerhood, and sometimes even into childhood in a certain sense, um, where they're just kind of acting like what they want to act like, right? However, as they continue to develop, people will get into a conventional stage of development in which, like, the conventions of their culture will guide their behavior in terms of what's right and wrong. Um, so this would begin with like family rules, right? And you end up with little kids that are like trying to be a good boy or a good girl, right? Following the rules and be conventional. And this stage can develop into further and further levels of conventions. So you might go from like being a good boy or being a good son or daughter into being a good student, right? Into being a good um, college candidate right and this can continue based on whatever conventions you have right so maybe being a good muslim or a good christian maybe being a good american or a good italian right these kind of conventions come from any system of organizing thoughts and behavior and you use these conventions to figure out what's right or wrong so you base your own behaviors and the judgments of others behaviors to the convention, right? The Bible says this is wrong. Or my parents say that's the right way to do it, right? Or my college says this is the the just way to do it. Whatever your conventional structure is, that's what you use to judge the things around you on a moral sense. Um, and that's just, you can't get to that point before you're at pre-convention. Nobody's born with cultural rules. You have to learn them. You have to go through a stage where you don't know them yet before you can actually start to utilize these conventions around you that you're raised in. However, you can continue to develop beyond this. And again, a lot of people will stay at this conventional level for a very long time. It begins like, you know, early childhood, adolescence, and a lot of people will stagnate here for a while. Um, And again, there's nothing wrong with this particular developmental stage. It's really handy in many ways. And all of these stages came about because they were useful in an evolutionary sense. Right? I'll probably do an entire episode on evolutionary psychology and uh, evolutionary biology. It helps understand why we changed in these ways a lot. But having conventions is what helped humans not kill each other for the like hundreds of years. It's really organized our entire species. However... You can continue to develop those incremental changes towards morality development will eventually lead to a completely different way of moral reasoning. After conventional stage, you have what's called a post-conventional stage of moral reasoning in which you can begin to look at the conventions. You actually can judge the systems that you used to judge. It's like pretty meta. This is when people begin to look at the dictates of a religion, or look at the choices of a nation, or consider why their parents are telling them this is the right way to do things. And people begin to use their own experiences and their own intuitions as a tool for making moral judgments instead of the structural conventional system itself. It's really difficult to do if you didn't go through a conventional stage. Right. Like you need those conventions the same way you need to have that pre-conventional stage in order to make room for a conventional. You need the conventional stage in order to advance to the point where you can begin to analyze and scrutinize and criticize conventions themselves. Um, There's a really interesting study that helps to uh, exemplify how these stages work. Um, that looked at women and their ideas about abortion. It was asking them how they felt about it. Like if it was like right or wrong, it was very open-ended, just asking them to explain it. And again, I really want to reemphasize that these are just ways that people think about the world. I'm not making any particular claims about abortion, for example, but I will explain how the way people think about abortion can change over time. So people will go through these stages of yes, abortion is fine. No, abortion is not fine. And then yes, abortion is fine again, right? You get like a yes, no, yes pattern. Um, and nobody goes outside of this pattern and nobody goes backwards in this pattern. There's always only a forward trajectory of moving through this pattern of yes, no, yes. Uh, so why would you go through this? Yes, no, yes. Well, you begin in pre-conventional, right? So people that really don't, think about the people around them or their conventions. They're just thinking about themselves, right? Very egocentric. And so those people will say, yes, abortion is fine. If I want it, I don't care. Like, you're not going to tell me what to do. I'm just going to do what I want because that's what's important to me right now. Um, if you don't want to get one, don't. If you do, I don't, I don't really care. I just know if I want to do it, I'll do it. So it's like, a yes, pretty much. However, if you survey those same women, like several years later, as you've begun to measure some development along this moral developmental line people will actually move into a no right they enter a conventional stage of moral development whether it's from their religion or from their nation or from their family from their political party right my political party says that abortion is wrong so abortion is wrong because all the smartest people that i know say it's wrong that's must mean it's correct right you get into this black and white style of thinking this is why religion and politics have so much sway in topics like these is because they're the ones setting these conventions and so people that fall into conventional moral reasoning um, on either side are going to use those conventions right so someone who falls into a liberal progressive convention of black or white you either do it this way or you don't will have a certain opinion and people who fall into a conventional um, do it this way you don't on say like a republican side they're both using these kind of structures in order to figure things out but for the most part people will fall into a structure that says it's wrong right it's killing for example or it's against my religion and then they'll stay there for a very long time until they get to a post-conventional stage of reasoning in which they say yes again however this time when they say yes it's not the lackadaisical like yeah do whatever you want because I want to yes from pre-conventional Post-conventional yeses are very nuanced, they're very specific about, well, in some cases it's probably inappropriate, but maybe in some cases, like there's incest, maybe rape, maybe they're very young, that it can be okay, right? It's not black and white anymore, and it's not even using a convention in many cases, it's just using personal reasoning from experience and a post-conventional frame of reference for what is right or wrong. And people never go backwards through these stages and people never skip stages. No one ever goes from a pre-conventional way of thinking about a situation straight to a post-conventional way of thinking about it. You need to enter these conventions. You need to use culture to structure your thinking, in a sense, before you can begin to think more and more independently without the, the scaffolding of a convention. Now, both of those... Um, egocentric, ethnocentric, world-centric, and pre-conventional, conventional, conventional, post-conventional are still pretty um, wide scale, like pretty, pretty broad. It can be difficult to see how that is changing every single day, right? With these tiny incremental changes that we've been talking about that are perpetually happening. So I want to give you one more developmental stage model that is going to be a little bit more practical, and it'll help you understand a little bit more about where you're at in your career or your kind of professional life, I guess you might say. Um, Just like everything else, like your career and your calling and like the skills that you have that help you support yourself could be an entire developmental line on its own. And so I want to give you this stage model to understand, again, yourself, where you're at in this kind of career professional development trajectory, and also where the people around you're at. So you can understand maybe how to support them a little bit better. Um, so this one is going to go from exploration to skill building to contributing to supporting, right? So we're going to begin with exploration. Everyone has to explore at some point. This is why most of childhood development is tend, tends to be focused on exploring right if you don't know what you want to do it's going to be really hard to get good at doing what you want to do (laughs) so you just got to explore it a little bit try lots of different things right and figure out what really works for you and what doesn't like what really gets you energized what are you really good at what feels like the right thing for you to be doing and what do you do because you want to do it not because you have to do it Figuring those things out can only really come from a deep exploration of yourself and different situations and different activities. Just exploring those can actually lead to you figuring out like, oh, this is what I like and this is what I would like to continue to do for its own sake and for the sake of the people around me. And that's how you end up into the stage of skill building, right, where you got to get really good at whatever that is. So after you've figured out what you want to do from exploring, you begin to build these skills and build your competency right? So for example, you might explore, figure out like, oh, I really like arguing, and I really like pedantic, specific, nuanced rules and details, right? Uh, So maybe you want to become a lawyer, like not to throw shade at lawyers or anything. Um, But after you've explored enough to figure out you want to become a lawyer, you have to build the skills of a lawyer, right? You got to read and go to law school and begin to understand the ins and outs of the legal system. You got to build those skills. Um, That goes for anything, whether you need to learn how to paint, you want to become an athlete, or you want to go into sales or start your own business, like you have to learn how to build these skills and then use them well. You got to get competent. And once you've gotten those competencies, then you can enter the stage of contributing, where you're genuinely adding to the culture or to the industry that you're in, right? You're producing incredible new art or you're contributing a lot of um, great advances in the legal process or the legal industry. It doesn't really matter what you're doing. As long as it's any type of field, you begin to contribute to it in ways that are really unique, really helpful, and help it evolve, right? Um, That's really difficult to do if you didn't build any skills, if you're not competent at all. And it's impossible to do if you didn't explore it, explore the world around you and find that direction in the first place. Um, so contributing is probably one of the most rewarding things humans can do, is like really have their skills and talents contribute to something larger than themselves. And this is often the stage of like self-actualization a lot of people are familiar with in the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. But after you've been contributing for a while, you can even stagnate here and kind of stay in this aspect of development a little too long. uh, Because if you continue to contribute, you can eventually get to a point where your concerns are no longer about contributing to the field. You begin to get concerned with supporting the growth of the field itself and other people that are contributing to the field. And so you enter this supporting stage, um, often called generativity, where you're really focused on helping the people around you contribute their best. And you kind of scaffold people who are in the skill building stage into contributing and support even further the people who are already contributing Um, and these are stages that can take a lifetime to get through some people never really make it to the supporting stage but if you understand this trajectory you can be a lot more willing to explore you can be a lot more willing to invest in building these skills because you know it's just a part of natural human development towards a positive trajectory right you can have the confidence to contribute to your field and use these skills that you've been building and make a lot more strides in whatever field you're in. And then you can be unafraid of like supporting the people in your field and really fostering a lot more development amongst all the people around you. Um, So that's another really tangible example of understanding development over time, right? Each of those exploration, skill building, contributing, and supporting which is very different. And all of those include development in itself. And all of those might be related in different ways to different developmental lines, right? And so I want you to begin to examine, just use these three as an example, examine where you're at in your own development. And again, like without judgment, you don't have to shame yourself for being where you're at because there's nowhere else for you to be. But you can be more informed with where you're at and then begin to understand where you want to go moving forward and make that choice deliberately. Um, Before I talk about that particular process, I do want to address things that people tend to think of as not developing um, because they're important to address. So I just want to mention personality and genetic factors. So a lot of people think personality um, doesn't change at all, which it is tends to be very rigid. That's kind of what makes it a personality trait. Um, however, they can be malleable. I know, for example, there's been research on psychedelics that's shown that people's openness to experience can shift after a psychedelic experience. Uh, it'll just change the way they orient and interact with the world. Uh, but for the most part, our personalities don't shift very much. And that's actually not a problem. I don't want people to use this as a crutch. In fact, you can use your personality as a tool to develop in all of these other developmental lines, right? Your personality doesn't need to stop anyone from going even further. In fact, you might even say you can develop your personality to be even more of what it already is, right? So don't expect all of these developmental lines to completely change your personality uh, because you don't need to, but your personality can still be a mode of continuing to develop all of these other developmental lines, Um, And I also want to mention genetic factors, which play a huge role in personality itself. Um, But also, people tend to think of this as something that won't change, right? So, like, you're telling me to develop my physical developmental line, but, like, this is just the genes that I have, right? Um, Just like I said before, like, you can develop with the body you have. That's, like, your tool to get all of this development we've been talking about. That's the car you're riding in to go down this road um, but genetic factors have actually been shown to be malleable as well there's an entire field opening up of epigenetics which looks at how our environments can actually influence our gene expression and like our DNA itself will react to the world around us and the same thing is happening with our brains right like people are like oh I just don't have a brain to develop math or I don't have the brain to do this or something along those lines I'm too right brain I'm too left brained it turns out our brains are insanely plastic which just means it can Change right, plasticity. It's an entire um, fields now that are looking at brain plasticity, and uh, I hope to have like a neuroscientist on this podcast or something along those lines at some point, um, just because there's so much going on in that field right now. There's full studies where they'll take out like a chunk of people's brains and expect that that capacity will just be completely gone. But our brains will rewire itself after you know time and appropriate training, and it'll just figure out other ways. To do those things, even though that chunk of brain is now gone, right? There's lots of different ways that our brains can change and our genes can change and our bodies can develop. So don't let your specific genes you're born with be a handicap or a limiting belief for developing anything as well. Because it's still it's gonna play a role that's only gonna support you if you approach your genes and you approach your personality in an open way with that beginner's mind we talked about in the beginning of the episode. So all of this is just to say that even though those things are more difficult to develop, they don't stop you and they can actually be tools. Because ultimately what I want from this podcast and what I want for all of my coaching clients and anyone I work with is to have a sense of deliberate well-being. Your well-being is made up of all of these tiny interactions every day and all of these interactions and activities and Anything that's happening to you, essentially, is contributing to who you are and how you're changing. And if you can participate in your everyday experience in a way that sets you up for success, makes you happier, makes the people around you happier, helps you develop these developmental lines that you've prioritized, you'll enter an upward spiral of well-being. In fact, that's what Upward axis is named after, the podcast, like my coaching practice. It's actions that put you in an upward spiral. But you have to do them on purpose, right? You can't just willy-nilly all of a sudden, like, take take your life from zero to a hundred. You've got to do it on purpose. And so if you take today's podcast, for example, you can really begin to examine where you're at in these developmental stages and start to figure out, like, if you're stagnating or if you're really moving through these in a healthy way. And uh, I just want to emphasize, like, all of these stages, you can't skip them and you don't really want to Like, look two stages ahead of where you're at and say, like, okay, I'm just going to go right there, right? It's like going from, like, okay, I figure out how to ride a bike, now I'm just going to jump into a jet. Like, humans didn't do that. We had to learn how to make cars and how to make planes before we could, like, go into space. So really, the best thing you can do if you recognize you're in a developmental stage is just deliberately engage with that stage in a healthy way. And little by little as those incremental changes throughout every day happen you'll find yourself in more and more advanced developmental stages more and more advanced developmental lines and i hope to continue to do this podcast so you have a better understanding of what those developmental stages and lines are and even more importantly a better understanding of what you can do to guide your own development towards whatever you want it to be so that's about what i have for today Please like and subscribe to the podcast and I guess I'll catch you on the next episode. Peace.